Let there be joy in our coming together this morning. Let there be truth heard in the words we speak and the songs we sing. Let there be help and healing for our disharmony and despair. Let there be silence for the voice within us and beyond us. Let there be joy in our coming together. The words of Carl Seberg. Good morning, all you beautiful, wonderful souls. Welcome to our weekly Zoom worship service. My name is Matt Pargeter Villarreal. I am the intern minister here at First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque and your service leader for this morning. I am joined in worship by our associate minister, Reverend Bob Lavalley, worship leader Kristen Satterley, and our tech team of DJ Arnie Gullerud, backup DJ Chris Paul, and ushers Michaela Renz Whitmore, and Erica and Alex Johnson Jimenez. Our time for all ages was prepared by our guest minister, the Reverend Megan Lines, and our music was prepared by our music minister, Susan Peck, and vocalist Elia Aerosmith. If you are visiting with us and you feel so moved, please put your name and where you are joining us from in the chat so that we can say hi and welcome you. Before we light our chalice, Kristen has a few announcements. Morning. Pride is back this June. Bring the whole family to a pride painting party next Sunday at 1 p.m. behind the Religious Education Building and help us prepare First Unitarian's float entry, the Star Wars Rainbow Cantina. Contact Lara Magnuson with any questions or for more information. <clears throat> and come by the church at noon today for what we hope will become an annual tradition, our all-church barbecue. There will be live music provided by Jazz Breeze, a jumper for the kids, and lots of delicious food. Everyone is welcome. And the barbecue is free, by the way. If you'd like to make a free will offering to support it and other fun intergenerational events, you can do so at the barbecue. Or you can donate online and specify BBQ as the program you want to support. Thank you. We light our chalice this morning with the knowledge that though this flame appears to our eyes to be one shade of yellow white light, all we need is the sacred geometry of the prism to expose the true miracle, that its shine is composed of an infinite spectrum of colors, a rainbow of beauty. There is no 
My name is Reverend Megan Lines. I am out here in my chicken coop with my chickens, enjoying the beauty of the natural world and how there is the spark of the divine in each of us and in so much of the world around us if we, if we open our minds and hearts to experience it. And, and I often find that with my chickens. My son Jesse turned three this week and he pulled out of the party decoration bag um, what I think of as a unicorn horn but he, he didn't think so. He put it on his head and he said, I am the horn wizard. And um, it got me thinking about maybe he's right and I'm wrong, or maybe we're both right, or maybe wrong or right isn't important, but each of us sees what we see and experiences the world around us in our own ways. My friend Emily Joy Goldberg wrote a song called It's Okay about how Whatever we feel, however we are, whatever our experience of the world is, this is just right because we are each wonderfully made and we are each having the spark of the divine in each of us and whatever we feel is all right. So she's called her song, It's Okay, meaning how you are is just the right way to be. And you don't need my word for it. It's got my son Jesse in it because he's my muse, but this could be any child. It could be you. It could be... Uh, somebody that we've never met. So I just invite you into a time of experiencing the affirmation of being the divine person that you are. It's okay to be weird. It's okay to be wild. It's okay to be joyful like a child. It's okay to be odd. It's okay to be loud. Keep on laughing and keep standing proud. Do things. 
ただいLet's pause the chat for a moment during our meditation and prayer. So in meditation, it's tempting to think that we just go with the flow, but actually this often leads to distraction. But interestingly, the idea of watching a gentle flowing stream can be a really useful reminder to how to peacefully watch the mind. So if we take a moment to imagine a time where maybe we've just stood on a riverbank or maybe on a bridge and just watch the water pass by, there's something about that that's very comforting to the mind. Perhaps even the body feels a bit more relaxed as we just watch this flow. That's a really, really useful analogy for watching our minds as the thoughts go by. The danger, of course, is as we're watching the water, we'll see something in the water that we want to follow and we get distracted by it. And as we do so, we get lost in that distraction. We lose the sense of being present. So it's as, this though, so it's as though we're watching a stream or watching a flow of water, 
but we just maintain our focus in one particular place. We keep that sense of ease, that sense of movement, that sense of flow, but without getting distracted by things floating by on the surface of the water. So in that spirit, let's find a comfortable seat. <sighs> Take a deep breath. And we'll sit together in stillness for two minutes. Our church is a welcoming community where we find connection and a spiritual community where we find meaning. Our church is a sharing community where our joys are amplified and a loving community where our sorrows are lessened. Please type in the chat box first your joys and then your sorrows. If you are unable to write in the chat box, we invite you to contact the church at caring at uuabq.org. We want to know what's going on with you. We take this moment to reflect on our joys and sorrows and to find comfort in our support for one another.
deep inside Leaving my fears behind I could hear your voice Whispering in my ear Why the tears, my son I spoke to you of my fears My worries and my pain And the flame inside my heart My truth is in your sight I can feel the light Oh no, I can't hide With a smile you tell me I'm here Let me love you
all these joys and concerns, we lift up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal known by many names. Let's pray together. We remember Shirley Daney, whose life was celebrated at First Unitarian yesterday. We give thanks for the many gifts that Shirley brought to this congregation. May light perpetual shine upon her. We lift up Jacob Scholl, whose service dog is undergoing back surgery. May they both feel the support of this congregation. Pray today for the people lost in the race massacre in Buffalo, New York. Ruth Whitfield, Aaron Salter Jr., Pearl Young, Roberta Drury, Celestine Cheney, Haywood Patterson, Andre McNeil, Kat Massey, Geraldine Talley, and Marcus D. Morrison. We pray for the strength in this moment because we are angry, we are brokenhearted, and we are tired. May light perpetual shine upon the lost, and may white supremacy go to hell. We pray with all the people in New Mexico impacted by wildfires. We pray for the habitats lost, the homes held for generations destroyed the livelihoods overturned. We give thanks for our firefighters and all who support them. May the brutal reality of the fires spur our leaders to meaningfully address our climate crisis. We give thanks for the time that the First Unitarian staff got to spend together on a retreat on Friday, considering how best to live into our new strategic plan May we embrace multiple cultures in our church and build our relational skills to be fully inclusive. May we weave all ages into all that we do to support each other at each stage of our lives. May we strengthen our connections and deepen our relationships to care for each other. May we put our campus and information technology to work to serve our values. May we join forces with community partners and our youth to work for justice. And may we all be held in the heart of love.
Our reading this morning is How Did Unicorns Get So Gay? An Investigation excerpt by Tracy Ann Duncan. Sometime in the past 10 years, unicorns became gay icons, second only to the rainbow flag and symbolizing queerness. In many ways, I have embraced it. But how did this connection happen? The one between a glowing, colorful, mythical creature with bedazzled headgear and queer culture. Some people might venture to say that it is because unicorns are mystical creatures and, well, so are queers. On more cynical days, I attribute the link to the fact that we have always been fetishized outcasts that the cishet capitalist overlords want to brand into profitability. To me, the ubiquity of pink fluffy unicorns feels like a commodified avatar for the gay means happy stereotype that fatal insistence that queer folks be sparkling and content no matter how much society rejects us. And somehow, the unicorn is also a self-selected icon that we have used to replace centuries of ugly stereotypes. How can a one-horned horse mean so much? After seeking out scholars on the subject of queer unicorns, I came to the conclusion that there is no consensus on how the unicorn became a gay icon. Ask any queer person and you will get a different answer and a compelling story about their own close personal relationship to unicorns. My own relationship with unicorns started when I was six. My dad brought me a copy of The Last Unicorn, an early bit of animated magic about a unicorn who thinks she is the last of her kind. I watched it on repeat for an embarrassing number of years and cried every time the unicorn had to choose between her human love and the safety of her unicorn blessing, which is the delightfully apt name for a group of unicorns. It is not a particularly gay movie, plot-wise. The unicorn in human form is a leggy femme waif pining for a prince. But that's not the point. The point is that the unicorn is magic, and she has been told her whole life that she is the only one. Me too, me too, I thought as a child. 
I'm the only one of my kind. Even though I did not feel like a sparkle-eyed waif, and I did not know what my kind were, I just knew that my existence was somehow different than the muggles around me. The unicorn in the movie endures every injustice with kindness and courage, and in the end discovers a sea full of others like her. Academics may not have come to a conclusion yet about how the unicorn came to be emblematic of queerness, but that lack of consensus just spins the complexity of gender, love, and sexuality into a fierce, beautiful, otherworldly beast. For this queer, at least, the unicorn symbolizes resistance to binaries. She cannot be reduced to either a beauty or a beast. The unicorn is both pure and pornographic, fierce and dainty, and her seeming aloneness is really an as yet undiscovered blessing. I am now about to do something that has not been done in most UU congregations for the past 50 to 100 years. I am about to read a passage from the King James Version of the Bible. Now, before you scramble to click Leave Meeting, I invite you to humor me, as I think you will see very early on that there is method to my madness. This excerpt is taken from the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verses 8 and 9. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. He shall eat up the nations his enemies, and shall break their bones, and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion, who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. When I was in seminary, I was required to complete a year of supervised ministry by spending a year serving as an intern of a local area congregation. Unfortunately, I was not able to find an opening at any of the UU congregations in Dallas or Fort Worth, so one of my colleagues recommended that I try reaching out to the Welcome Table Christian Church in Arlington, Texas a Disciples of Christ congregation that was known for being on the liberal and progressive end of the theological spectrum. I emailed the minister, who very graciously said that they would be happy to have me on their staff. And the summer that I arrived at the church, I got the opportunity to take part in an unusual tradition that had begun the summer before when I arrived. Instead of the usual sermon series that the church did every month, the minister invited the congregation to text or email suggestions for different Bible passages and topics to preach on, inviting them to give feedback on what they wanted to hear, kind of similar to the question box sermon that you've seen Angela and Bob do. My immediate response was to pull out my phone in the middle of the service and text the minister with my vote for the topic of unicorns in the Bible. Now, the first time that I texted that suggestion to him, it was meant mostly as a joke. 
For those of you who do not know, I have a long-standing and well-documented obsession with any and all things having to do with unicorns, something that my friends and colleagues who attended the church had already warned the minister in advance, so he knew what he was getting into. I could imagine the minister responding back with a response along the lines of, why am I not surprised that you would ask for something like that? But the second time that he asked the congregation for sermon suggestions, I texted him the same topic. But this time, I was very much serious. I looked up to that minister not just as a supervisor, but as a mentor as well, and I was interested to see what he would do with that kind of challenge. But alas, the unicorn sermon never materialized. And then the minister went out of town and entrusted the pulpits to his ready and willing intern minister. Rookie mistake. While I was trying to figure out what to preach on, it was at that point that I figured if it is a sermon about unicorns that I wanted, it was a sermon about unicorns I was just going to have to preach for myself. So, brace yourselves, congregation. This is my unicorn sermon. Now, it is admittedly a stretch to spend an entire sermon talking about unicorns in the Bible. The word unicorn appears nine times in the Bible, like Numbers 24-8, mostly in the Hebrew Bible, and only in the King James Version, which was completed in 1611. And most biblical scholars will tell you that this is the result of a translation error. Numbers forms one of the five books of the Torah, the sacred text of Judaism, so it was originally written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word in Numbers 24.8 is re'em, which is a word that Western European biblical translators were completely unfamiliar with, but they were fairly sure it was some type of large, strong animal. Now, whenever the translators for the King James Version of the Bible encountered a Hebrew word that they did not recognize, they would cross-reference that word with the Septuagint, a complete translation of the Hebrew Bible in Greek that was readily available at the time, to see what the corresponding Greek word would have been in order to base their English translation off of that. The Greek word for re'em was monokeros, which literally translates to one horn. Based on this, the translators for the King James Version decided that the most relevant word for their English translation obviously was unicorn. Now, it may seem unusual now, based on the images of unicorns that we have today, but the concept of unicorns would have been very familiar to Western European society during the Renaissance. The Greek historian of the 5th century Theseus recounted stories that he had heard while traveling in Persia about an animal that resembled a wild ass with a horn that was, quote, one of the strongest of all creatures. It defends itself with its horn, teeth, and hooves, and slays many horses and men, end quote. 
The Chinese prominently featured a unicorn-like creature in their mythology called a Chi Lin, which had the front half of a horse with a single horn, and the back half of a dragon or fish, sort of a unicorn-mermaid hybrid, if you will, before it was on trend. It was said to be a symbol of luck, good omens, protection, prosperity, success, and longevity. The animal found its way into Buddhist and Taoist cosmology, being seen as gentle and benevolent creatures who floated upon the clouds, but would become enraged if there were evil forces that threatened the human realm, often spitting fire and showing several different powers that varied from story to story, which is awesome. Although there was no physical proof that such a creature existed. Further mentions of it by Aristotle and Pliny the Elder meant that the unicorn was entered into the Physiologus, a Greek zoological text that was a reference to all the many creatures that existed in the world. The unicorn was the perfect way to describe the powerful horned creature from the early Hebrew translations. But because the unicorn was also associated with being a representation of the divine, it was also associated as a symbol of innocence, purity, and self-sacrifice. In a sense, the unicorn came to become an anthropomorphic representation of the multifaceted nature of God. Powerful, strong, and able to defend itself, but also majestic, loving, and gentle. It became a popular symbol for knights to put on their shields, banners, and coats of arms, eventually becoming a symbol of Scotland and the Scottish kings in the process. Today, most biblical scholars will tell you that the Re'em that the Hebrew text was referring to was an aurochs, a huge and now extinct ox-like creature. The new revised standard version, the biblical translation that my Disciples of Christ seminary preferred, like most other later translations, replaces the phrase with wild ox, thereby erasing the unicorn from its presence in scripture. But even though my love of unicorns causes me to be biased, I believe that this substitution does not do the spirit of the text justice. I cannot tell you exactly when my love affair with unicorns began. It is not something that I've carried with me since childhood. I certainly liked unicorns before, but it has not been until very recently that it has turned into the obsession that it has become. I am sure that the word unicorn entered my vocabulary sometime around 2011 after watching an episode of the television show Glee entitled I Am Unicorn. In the episode, the character of Kurt, an openly gay teenager, is struggling with the perception that people have of him being too feminine, and he worries that it will hold him back, especially as far as getting leading male roles within the musical theater department. To try and offer up a change of image, he decides to run in the upcoming elections for student class president and to try to project a more masculine persona. 
He enlists the help of Brittany S. Pierce, a fellow member of the Glee Club, to help him out as his campaign manager, but is shocked when the next day at school she posts a giant poster of him riding on the back of a unicorn and galloping across a rainbow underneath the slogan, Believe in Magic, Believe in Kurt Hummel. When Kurt angrily confronts her about the manor, she replies with the iconic quote, a unicorn is someone who knows they are magical and isn't afraid to show it. Eventually, the episode ends happily with Kurt learning to be more confident in the own unique person that he is. As a young queer adult watching that episode, I resonated with the issues of self-esteem and self-doubt that the character of Kurt had to encounter, as they were all issues I had to tackle myself through my own coming out process. Just like Kurt, I worried whether people would see me for who I was beyond just my sexual orientation, and I had to learn to live into the unique person that I am that is standing, or rather sitting, before you today. Brittany's quote about unicorns also mentions another, and perhaps the most important of the unicorn that I have not yet touched upon. Confidence. Whether depicted as pink and glittery, or whether it is displayed emblazoned on the shield of a knight, the unicorn is still able to stand tall and stand proudly in its own skin. It combines both its powerful aspects and its gentle romantic ones into one beast that refuses to be invisible. In this respect, I feel that it is completely right for God to be seen as a unicorn within this passage of numbers. For me, God does have the strength of a unicorn. Amid the most insurmountable of odds, when you do not know how things will turn out, and when there are people who look to curse you and bring you down, the universe has a way of bringing a resolution out of any lost and hopeless cause. And just like the unicorn who still stands majestically above all, it allows you to put your trust in something and find hope that could still be there for you as a source of comfort in your hour of darkness. It may seem fantastical, as a 35-year-old candidate for ministry, to continue to be obsessed with a mythical horned creature that may or may not have existed. It is even more fantastical that, in the prime of your ministerial career, when you are supposed to be at your most professional, to have the image of that mythical horned creature covering every notebook, pen, pencil, notepad, and various other office supplies. My response to all the critics and naysayers out there is this. Just because something may be from out of a fairy tale does not mean that there is not truth in it, and that it does not have something important to say about the greater world that we live in. I take particular inspiration in a quote I recently found from popular theologian Nadia Boltz Weber. I need a God who is bigger and more nimble and mysterious than what I could understand and contrive. Otherwise, it could feel like I am worshipping nothing more than my own ability to understand the divine. 
For me, the magic and mystery that I find in unicorns helps to remind me of the mystery and wonder that I find when I relate to the divine through my own spiritual practice. I cannot expect that you will leave today feeling the exact same way about the unicorn about unicorns as I do, and that was not the intention of the sermon in any way, shape, or form. Okay, maybe it was a little bit. But if I have anything to leave you with, it is that I encourage you to go out into the world and not be afraid of finding magic in it. The world needs more of the magic and the mystery that remind us of the power and wonder that we find through the divine at work in the greater world that we inhabit. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. Namaste. Thank you all very much. Our Change for the Future organization for March to May is the Transgender Resource Center of New Mexico, providing advocacy, education, and direct services in support of transgender, gender nonconforming, non-binary, and gender variant people and their families. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. If you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include Change for the Future on the memo line. And now let us exercise the enduring power of generosity.
what is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church and thanks on behalf of the Transgender Resource Center. We sure appreciate it. We're approaching the end of our service now. If you'd like to stay and chat with your your brethren here in the congregation, just uh, stay all the way through the credits. We'll put you in a breakout room. But before we get there, we have a discussion question. And that discussion question is, in what ways are you like a unicorn? In what ways are you like a unicorn? Before we go to our chalice extinguishing and benediction, I invite you to put your view in gallery mode. And we'll do our pacham moment. Place one hand over your heart. With the other hand, reach, to, reach towards your community. Blessed be. As we extinguish our chalice and go out into the world, may we carry the fire in our hearts and may we bring our magic and our sparkle to a world that desperately needs it. May it ever continue to be so. Amen and blessed be. Our service has ended, but your service has just begun. Go in peace, go in joy, go in love. Blessed be.